Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with a Locked On Podcast Network host. Today, Josh Bass from Locked On Nets will join me to talk about Kyrie Irving's infamous phone call with the players across the weekend, uh, young guys looking for insurance on their contracts, and who the Orlando bubble slash coronavirus shutdown helps the most. It's all coming up, the biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the host of the Locked On AFL Podcast, and the lead analyst at Basketball Monster and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Of course, some news across the weekend with uh, a player's call headed by Kyrie Irving, some troubling reporting about that as well. And I'm going to talk about that with Josh Bass of Locked On Net. So let's get to it. I'm joined now by the host of the Locked On Nets podcast. Josh Bass is here with me. We're going to talk about some of the news that has uh, broken over the weekend, but we have to start, uh, and I think majority of what we're going to be talking about here is the players' call that occurred, I believe it was Friday night, and seemed to be uh, spearheaded by Brooklyn's own Kyrie Irving. I'll start with this, Josh. I I thought the reporting around it was poor. I thought the wording, especially of Woj's tweet calling calling Kyrie Irving the disruptor, was just really playing into a narrative about how people perceive him. And the reaction to it was extremely negative towards Kyrie. Now, from my understanding with Kyrie, is he doesn't mind being that uh, absorber of criticism. Uh, yeah, voicing opinions that other players have and being that guy that, that takes on that responsibility and is not afraid to speak his mind. But I was pretty disappointed with the way that things were covered and the way that uh, the reaction was to the overall, I guess, tenor of what he was trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I agree with your point, Josh. I think it's, it's always a tough kind of uh, needle to thread there because, you know, we've all kind of been deprived of sports for the last few months. I think there's a lot of excitement with the NBA um, making a, a plan to come back. And obviously, you know, player safety is, is paramount. It's thoughtful. Um, obviously, there's been kind of uh, the with everything happening the last few weeks um, that kind of had taken a, a front seat uh, versus getting back into into the action. But I think when there was a plan and it seemed like smooth sailing, but then Kyrie Irving comes out and says, hey, let's think about this a little more. What is this going to mean? Is this going to get into our kind of fight for racial justice? I don't want that to become an afterthought just because now there's, you know, games to cover and, and a playoffs that, that's on the rise. Uh, so I think a lot of people, you know, like Woj did, seem to just voice frustration that Kyrie was speaking out and getting in the way of uh, what they um, think is kind of their beloved NBA coming back. Obviously, I'm very excited for the NBA to come back, but I think we need to look at this from all angles. And I completely agree that the scapegoating of Kyrie Irving just wasn't, you know, the way to go about it. You know, maybe um, there was some some things that he should have done differently as well. And I think we'll kind of get into that. But um, first and foremost, especially when he's coming at it from from the right point of uh, mind and saying, you know, there's an issue a lot greater than getting back to basketball. 
Um, we need to take a look at that with a fine lens and see how getting back to playing is going to affect this. Uh, it, it was disappointing to see kind of the, the coverage out there. Look, Kyrie's had some stupid things that he said. The flat earth stuff was, yeah, it was dumb. And he's also backtracked somewhat on that. He said, oh, you know, it's just throwing it out there. Look, that, that's, that's dumb. There's no doubt about that. But he does have a mm-hmm. reputation that, Fans hate him. Cleveland fans, oh, yeah, you're going to sit out with an injury. We hate you. Boston fans, you ruined our season with all this chemistry issue. Um, and people people just generally don't like Kyrie. But players do. Players respect what he has to say. And I think mm-hmm. the key point here is that not him coming out and saying, we're not playing. Like that's, that's not what he did. I think what he was coming out and saying is we need to you know, take into account all of these things. Like what is important here? Using this as somewhat of, of leverage in terms of the social justice thing. But also, the league superstars are on board with returning. But Kyrie is here as a superstar, as a max player, as someone who's not even playing, but trying to voice an opinion for the other guys in the league, the mid-range players, the starters, sixth men, those sort of guys who seem to have more uh, reservation uh, about coming back into this sort of scenario, into this bubble situation. And Kyrie is providing a voice there, which pits him against his fellow all-star, all-NBA, max contract players in that regard. But he is providing that voice, which is something, again, that I think that he has stood up for, is trying to provide... Uh, thoughts and opinions for everybody and different points of view rather than just rolling with how things go. And again, the the wording of those tweets, we're all frustrated. Like everyone's frustrated with what happened with coronavirus, with the shutdown of the league, with the you know, excited about the news of the league returning and then frustrating, or what if it doesn't come back? The fear that plays in everybody's uh, minds about perhaps a season next year not happening if this season doesn't continue. There are so many concerns with all of this. But Kyrie coming out there and, again, voicing... It's not just his opinion. I think that's where the reporting and the wording goes wrong. It's not just Kyrie saying, I don't want to play, and everyone else going, you're an idiot. It's him talking to these players, and a lot of people having this similar thing. We've seen Lou Williams come out with thoughts. Dwight Howard's come out with thoughts. Carmelo Anthony's come out with thoughts as well. And they have... They're not saying, we are not playing. They're saying, well, we have concerns, and we need these things addressed, and that can be negotiated yeah, in terms of how these things can move forward. And you know, Austin Rivers had comments as well, and that's all it was. But, and I think it was just painted in a, a light because we know that you say Kyrie is against what everyone else wants, and everyone will pile on and then perhaps put pressure there. And I don't think that's... A, that's a troubling direction. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's even the like the players that we're quoting right now, those are all uh, very notable players in the league. When you talk about guys like future Hall of Famers like Dwight and, and Mello, obviously a superstar in Kyrie, uh, you know, Lou Williams, who's won a bunch of sixth men of the year and, and plays for one of the most prominent teams right now. Even Austin Rivers, because of his dad, yeah. he's a very high profile player. You know, no one's going out there and saying, okay, uh, you know, what does Dorian Finney-Smith think? What does Aaron Baines think? Whomever it doesn't it doesn't matter. But there's hundreds of players that are in uh, that are represented by the Players Association, and I think it's great to get uh, a variety of opinions. And not necessarily saying I even agree with Kyrie, but I think I do agree with him on the point that he wants more transparency brought to the process. And I think that was his big point of contention that it was a very cloak and dagger thing. That uh, you know, um, okay, Michelle Roberts is, is coming up with a plan alongside Adam Silver. And, and the owners, but then um, it, it, the players are getting broad strokes, but maybe not getting the entirety of what's actually going to happen and how it's going to affect everything that's going on. So he just wants more transparency. You know, some of the stuff that he said in regards to, uh, you know, maybe what if he just donated his entire salary, that type of thing. I think 
there's a lot of good that can be done by getting back there uh, and just, you know, collecting salaries uh, and using that for good. And maybe it's even something like, you know, uh, the, the talk that he's doing, maybe it leads to, you know, sort some sort of education that's done during the broadcast of games, whether it's highlighting local community activists that are uh, really doing well for the cause. But I think he's just saying we're not going to just see a proposal and assume it's all hunky-dory just because it's what you want us to do. Let's probe this a bit and see if it's actually going to be good for all parties involved and not get in the way of our of our higher mission, mission which is, you know, social justice reform. I don't know if that bell's telling me to, to move on, but we've still got more things to, to talk about here, Josh, with uh, with Kyrie um, and this whole discussion. But I think it is important to realize that this is not a, a definite. This is not him saying, don't play. This is not the NBA saying we're playing regardless. It's Again, this is how negotiations work and should work. And I think the vilification of, uh, of Irving and, and other players, if they decide that they don't want to play and they have concerns regarding uh, social justice or illness or mental health, all those things need to be addressed. They don't need to be just accepted on face value. They don't need to be just, well, we're doing everything that you say. It, it needs to be, let's come to a comprom- compromise. We realize what is important here. Yeah, How does this bubble scenario work? How is that going to be with players being there for 80 plus days, some of them? How are they going to be able to you deal with that? What are the restrictions? Why are the restrictions not applying to Disney employees who are coming and going? All of those things that they definitely again. This if you were if this was your job, and that's what this is. This is their job that they're playing basketball. You would be asking the, at least the question like, why can I not go? But why can these people come and go? Like, what what is the difference here? Am I can I not be trusted to be responsible? Can I not be trusted to be yeah, hygienic? Can I? Why do I get these restrictions? Whereas the people who are around me don't have the same rules. And I think that's a fair enough question to ask. Right. Absolutely. I mean, listen, Josh. If David Locke said we're all going to fly to to Melbourne and and you're going to put up all the locked on hosts and we're all just going <laughs> to podcast from your house for the next. Uh, you know, three months, I think we would have some questions uh, and not to so say that we I. don't have faith in David Locke. Exactly. You would also, you would say, David, I don't have space for all this. How am I going to feed all these people? Uh, what are we going to, is there going to be booze? What are we going to have? So I think, and especially in the midst of what's happening, both from a health standpoint, but more importantly, you know, a, a racial justice standpoint question, it's good to be asking questions because when there's so many different constituents at play, you have even amongst the players, you have the established veterans. You have, um, you know, the guys who are just breaking into the league. You have the superstars. You have the um, guys who are on kind of a, a vet minimum and might be kind of getting their last shot. You have the G League guys. So it's just like this is going to have very widespread ramifications, um, you know, for not just this season, but also leading up to the CBA renegotiations in a couple of years. So, you know, everything needs to be picked with a fine-tooth comb, and I think Kyrie's doing um, – either whether that's in his intention or not his intention, I think it probably is, but it's good that he's being the one to, you know, uh, be the voice, the dissenting voice of a lot of players when it's not easy to do that. It takes a lot of courage to do so. Yeah, and look, he's definitely going out there and saying, well, people think that I'm this villain anyway, so let me shield you guys, and literally being what he has been elected to do as a vice president of the Players Association, let me be your representative. Let me be the person who takes the brunt of you know the, the criticism 
on your behalf. I am your representative. I will represent your thoughts and it will come back on me. And that is, you know, you can call him the disruptor. You can say, yeah, piss off Kyrie. You go, look, but that is the absolute definition of leadership. You, we, I might not like it. I, I actually do like it, but yeah, you might not like it. Joe Blow may not like it, but that is what he's there to do. That is why they elected him. That is why the players respect him, and he is doing exactly what he needs to do in that situation. And I think that we, as frustrated as we may be, if the players have issues with playing, we have to understand where they're coming from. Put yourself in that same scenario and not like, if I was getting paid $20 million, it wouldn't matter if I got sick. That's still not the point. And then, and you put yourself in that scenario and realize that he is trying to do the best for the people that elected him into that position to represent the thoughts and feelings of the 100-plus players on that phone call and other players across the uh, the NBA who do rely upon that representation to get their voices heard, not just LeBron James and Chris Paul and the upper, upper echelon of NBA players. And I think that's really important from Kyrie. Now, the other thing, Josh, that did seem to happen, or not did seem to happen, was reported over the weekend, is talk about... Young players, uh, Bam Adebayo, De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and somehow Kyle Kuzma's name got chucked into this mix about players who are looking at ex- rookie extension contracts and seeking out uh, perhaps insurance policies say that they do get injured down in this Orlando bubble. Would they be able to get some sort of insurance for a future payday coming? And I'm, I'm a little bit confused with this, to be honest, because while, yes, contracting uh, COVID-19 maybe has some impact on their on their health moving forward, I, I don't think there's much risk of those players in that sort of physical condition having a, a life-threatening or even extremely serious issue. And, and But it is something, if they did contract in that scenario, I think insurance would be entitled. But the, the article is also referencing that, you know, they're worried about you know, career-ending injuries or, you know, injuries that impact them getting paid. And I really don't see how that is any different to if the playoffs were being played in Utah or being played in Los Angeles or being played in Boston. Why is that different? Or how is it different? I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that part. And remember, we're playing less games. We're not playing a full 82 this year in the regular season. Yeah. So there's actually going to be less of a chance of, of injury. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, especially with um, we're not going to have fans like packing the sidelines anymore. So there's more space. And obviously we know how dangerous like having people on the sidelines and all these cameras on the baseline are for, for player injuries. So it should be more safe. It's almost like a sterile environment. I definitely, I think even, you know, on the COVID point, very, very, very unlikely. Well, it's unlikely that they catch it. And then it's very, very unlikely from there that, um, you know, that it would have any sort of lasting impact on their on their careers. I guess it makes sense uh, for them to look into to this, um, especially, uh, I'm sure their agents are obviously advising them on this. But then it also gets to the point of, okay, now you have all those guys in the, in the 2017 class who are extension eligible is that going to get extended to other players in the class? I feel like you can't just do a pick and choose on the top guys in Kuzma. Um, and then it's almost penalizing them for not locking in that security uh, beforehand, which other guys have done. So I don't know. I, I it's, it's very tough. But on the point of simply player safety, I don't think this is like top priority right now because it seems so in, like, unlikely that this will come to fruition where it really impacts anything. I understand it from one point of view in that they're saying that because of this three, four-month layoff, which is going to end up being before games are, are resumed at end of July, it's been pushed forward one day for some reason to July 30th, that that could, you know, and, and the shortened ramp back up in terms of training camp, that that could cause problems mm-hmm. with 
um, injuries and not being in their peak physical condition. I can sort of understand that to a degree. Like that is that is, uh, I guess, legitimate. You haven't been playing you know, three or four months to, to ease yourself in and, and have that real right. game speed going. I understand that. But to me, the difference there between you know, coming back and having a three-week training camp and then going into what, what is literally, Josh, going to amount to a preseason, those eight regular season, and I say regular season games, they're not regular season games. Milwaukee's not going full tilt. The Lakers aren't going full tilt. Kawhi, they're, not, they're, just, they're literally just easing themselves back into game condition for nearly all of those 22 teams. And there's going to be, like, the Wizards, they're not going to be going full tilt. Like, they're not, you know, they lose their first two games and they're pretty much out of contention. So yeah, there is some risk that there, but I don't see this being some sort of wild scenario where everyone's just getting injured and we have to protect everyone's contracts. I think the the risk more with these guys in, in their contracts is what the hell is going to happen with the salary cap. Like that's a bigger concern, and I don't think injury or insurance can really uh, mitigate that because we don't know what's going to happen this year or next year moving forward with the salary cap. To me, that's a bigger concern than them coming back and needing this insurance to go and play. It, it does seem like a weird thing, and I understand getting that money, but I don't see the risk as being significantly greater than what it's been in the past. While we all deal with the COVID-19 shutdowns across the world, it's been a great time to be able to get information into your brain to better yourself. All successful people are always looking to get that information. And one of the best ways of doing it is with Blinkist. What Blinkist does is it takes nonfiction books, gets the four or five hours of usual reading time that you'd have with those books and condenses it down to the key takeaways in just 15 minutes. And you can listen to those key takeaways or read those key takeaways just 15 minutes. You can get a book like Upheaval, Turning Points for Nations in Crisis by Jared Diamond. You can get How Champions Think in Sports and in Life by Dr. Bob Rotella and Bob Cullen. Successful people use this information, and now with Blinkers, you can get much more of this stuff into your life to improve your fortunes by condensing that information down. With Blinkers, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all the books you want, all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkers has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. If you're looking to save some money on car repair and you want to start fixing your own car, rockauto.com is the place you need to go to. Instead of going into your local auto store, telling them what car you want and what part you need, and then them going, oh, I don't have that in stock, and then sitting there typing on the computer and saying, oh, three to four weeks away, and you've got to pay retail price, why don't you just cut out the middleman? Find the part you want on rockauto.com, order it for yourself, and save 30, 50, 100% on the purchase price. And you can also learn how to fix the car yourself, or you're already into uh, fixing cars. And this is a great way to get those parts at a super cheap price. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving the auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com. I'll try again, go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And when you go to rockauto.com, if you go to the where did you hear about us box and type in locked on, that'll let them know that you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Right, and then is this going to set a precedent where now every future draft class, guys who are, who are basically heading into that fourth year now, that they're preemptively going to try to get these insurance policies i mean i just don't think it's something that we need to be focusing on right now it seems like there's a lot of uh, more issues at play are we even going to you know 
like these guys are worried about you know contracting COVID, which is is definitely valid. That's or fair enough. The potential of being in, injured, which is you know I'd say less so than than the normal season, even without kind of that, even with the abbreviated ramp up period. Um, but I think first we have to get to the point of are we even going to play? And maybe that's that's saying it's going to affect these guys' decision. But first, I think everyone needs to kind of get on the same page with that before we get into these very nuanced issues when it comes to these fourth year guys. And, you know, obviously understanding from, from their point of view, this is a life changing thing for them. Um, but let's, I think let's put the, we're putting the cart before the horse in a lot of cases. Austin Rivers. Yeah. Uh, I was back to the Kyrie stuff early on. Austin Rivers came out and say, said, uh, yeah, the, the restarting play and the money that is made from that can be used for black lives matter uh, as well, which is an interesting point. I think, again, it's all part of this, this discussion about what goes what goes on with this scenario? So again, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I did want to t- touch on Austin Rivers' comments, and I think there will be players that definitely agree with that, but there are players who will be against that. And again, it's coming to that sort of consensus. The other thing that has uh, sort of come out in the last couple of days is regarding the, the testing, the coronavirus testing for these players, and it looks like it'll begin in a couple of weeks when they're set to back uh, report back to their teams, and they'll get tested every second day. Um, with not the fully invasive nasal swab, which I think is something that the players were quite hesitant with as well, is we don't want to have that thing shoved into our brain yeah, every day. Um, so some negotiating there with a, a different kind of test, which is, uh, again, a positive, and it's about this negotiation, about them saying, well, we're not 100% comfortable with having you know, this you know, jammed into our faces every day uh, and you know, finding another alternative, and that's, you know, that's what this whole process is about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know... As you said earlier, it's it's a negotiation. So even a point as kind of fine as that, I mean, if it's something that the players don't want, um, I had uh, a nasal swab. I don't think mine was done properly because it didn't hurt that much, but everyone else I know said it's just the worst and most excruciating thing ever. Uh, so I'm starting to wonder if I got botched a little bit and maybe I should <laughs> doubt my negative test. But that's kind of besides the point. Um, yeah, I think, you know, these, these finer points are things that, are going to need to be negotiated before players are going to fully commit to heading down to Orlando because it is a big life decision. I mean, they're they're leaving their families in a very uh, kind of very um, uh, a time in the world where there's just a lot going on and, and we're kind of at that inflection point. So um, even things as, as minute as that, I mean, it's still important when you're the one that's actually getting that nasal swab uh, shoved up your, your nose. So, uh, you know, power to the players for for making these negotiations uh, on the margins. Let's, before we before we end this show, let's just talk things a little bit more micro, a little bit more local, and let's talk about Kyrie from a basketball perspective. Do we have any idea if he's going to play? He's not. He's not. So he has been uh, officially ruled out uh, for the season alongside Kevin Durant um, as well. So obviously, you know, Kyrie's first season with the Nets, I think we can... Uh, it, it was tumultuous. It was tumultuous from a basketball standpoint. Um, did not go as planned. Obviously, had a ton of highlights, but you know, just given kind of those consistent injuries, uh, you have to worry about what it means long term for him. I mean, for someone as dynamic as he is shooting the basketball, to have a shoulder injury that's uh, that's pretty debilitating. So, you know, with with the surgery he had, he should be ready to go uh, for the regular season, especially with the regular season that will only start in December. Um, but you know, you never know with Kyrie Irving because, um, even though I don't want to call him a disruptor, but he's certainly one to challenge the status quo. And I think in a, in a very thoughtful way, uh, despite what some people think, but we will not be seeing him in a Nets uniform, 
uh, in Orlando. So Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert will be leading the charge. Who do you think this shutdown, layoff, slash bubble environment helps the most? Uh, yeah, I think it would, you know, I think it has to be the Lakers just because you have you have LeBron and he is, I think, obviously as kind of sets the, the gold standard for taking care of his body and with someone who has the miles on him that he does, 17th season in the league, uh, any sort of break for him, coupled with the fact that they didn't make the playoffs last year and he basically got a mini break by not needing to play another 20, 25 games, uh, which he had done basically every season um, since those Cavs teams really started going. It's a huge relief for him uh, to be able to have any sort of rest off. And they do have a veteran-laden team. Um, you know, Anthony Davis consistently has nagging injuries, so for him, it definitely can't hurt. Uh, and they have a lot of veterans in place that I think will be uh, well-suited for this rest. And with LeBron kind of leading the charge, I think they're going to be the ones to be firing on all cylinders when things come back. Not to say other teams can't catch them, like the Bucks or the Clippers, but no team has someone at the head that's been through the battles like LeBron uh, and, and kind of has the success that he has. Yeah, I tend to agree that it is the Lakers that get that benefit just from that yeah, rest and the amount of minutes because they went hard in the regular season to make sure that they could get themselves into the number one seed. We saw you know, minutes from Davis and LeBron being really high, and now they get that opportunity to, to rest up. LeBron and his groin and Davis and his shoulder and knee and any other injuries that he's accumulated. And of course, they're the two main pieces here. But yeah, really resting those things out and getting, and I've got no doubt that LeBron is still, he's not going to come back and look fat and go, oh, he's, oh, he's out of shape. Like LeBron's going to be fine. It's more just resting those gr- a groin problem that's bothered him for almost two seasons now on and off that is going to be key. And I think that it does really benefit the Lakers quite a bit. It is going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with this bubble, what we get in terms of how the play looks. I think it's going to be pretty rough for those first regular season games that do come back. But hopefully all things are ready to go with the playoffs, assuming we do come back for the playoffs. Josh, thank you for coming on and talking about all of the news over the weekend with me. And they can catch your Brooklyn Nets thoughts over on Locked On Nets. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for this episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget, after you've listened to this, tell your smart device to play today's episode of Rejecting the Screen on the Locked On Podcast Network and give this show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on Spotify and on Google Podcasts and on Stitcher as well. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore b Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.